very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman, and this is a Synthesis Podcast. Joining me this morning is Chapo Mushwana, who is the Nedbank's Executive of Emerging Payments. A very good day to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Howard, and it's so good to be back here with you once again. Nice to be chatting to you. So since we spoke last, wow, South Africa has been through all sorts of stuff. That's what we seem to do, right? We go in these cycles, we bring ourselves to the point that we say, gosh, this is all hopeless. And then we surprise ourselves and uh, we show what we're made of. Take me through your, your feelings and your, your understanding of the last couple of weeks in this country. So it's, it's a very difficult time for everybody. And I think um, the reality of everybody in South Africa now is one where we are asking ourselves a very critical question around how do we move forward? And most importantly, how do we rebuild better um, for the future? Because no doubt what has happened over the last couple of weeks um, has, has been indicative of some of the underlying issues that we have in our country. Um, and I think it's really everybody in the country has to sort of put their hands on deck, um, collective wisdom being brought together and all of us sort of saying, let's rebuild. Um, and funny enough, I am reading a book by this um, author called Hans Rosling and it's called Factfulness. And the reason why, and I'm reading it for the second mm. time and it's purely because that book gives such a fresh perspective on the world. When we think everything is going wrong, when we think that things are not going as planned, when we think that the human race is going to be extinct in the next decade, we have all these fears, right, that we live with in, at a personal level, um, at a business level, and, and so much. And that book just says, pause, let's deal with the facts. The fact that global poverty has been halved in the last decade, fact that 80% of the children have got access to immunization, all these things that we didn't have a decade ago because of technology, right? We have them now, but we're not measuring that and we are not updating our data points. So for me, that book has also become critical in seeing the, the bright side of the events that have happened in the country in the last couple of weeks. And I guess, I guess it, it gives you a little bit of a distance, uh, maybe, because when we look into to what's happened in South Africa, it's, it's tremendous because people often say to me, uh, you know, how bad things are. And I say, you know, the fact that I can write a column every week for News 24 and say whatever I want to say about the government, provided obviously it's, it's, it's or, or whatever I'm, I'm challenging, um, I'm free to say it. And, and um, I don't live in fear of it. And if we look at what's happened, I think that is exactly right. I guess the, the difficulty for me and what, what I found over the last couple of weeks is because we're living in such a binary world, we sometimes find it difficult to have complex conversations and we, to think that all things can be true. So yes, looting and destruction of property is unacceptable. Crime is unacceptable. But it, at the same time, so is a level of poverty and lack of empowerment and education. Uh, and that could have exacerbated. All these things can be true. So by discussing some of the underlying causes, it doesn't mean we negating the damage to property, what people have endured. All we're saying is if we look at all of these factors, that's going to give us a better understanding as to why it could have happened and how we prevent it in the future. Exactly. And, you, and you're so right. Um, and again, it, it touches on this 
book that says that is the problem, the fact that we have this binary view of the world and we are not able to stand in between and strike a balance. Um, and I mean, if you just think about um, us in the South African context, I always say, the, for me, I think the trick is where public and private sector come together to build this economy because government commands a significant amount of resources, right? No doubt. And we've got private sector that is able to look outside of the borders of South Africa and be able to bring and attract foreign direct investment and wealth. And that put together, plus the great minds we have in this country. I mean, it's amazing. The opportunities are everywhere. I mean, I was talking to a friend over the weekend. I said, listen, I could relocate and go to Australia and go anywhere else, but it's pretty much standard. It's pretty much set in their ways. There's things that you know are going to happen and there's certain institutions that are already at play. But if you look at the South African context, there is so many white spaces that we can participate in, that we can contribute towards as individuals, as corporate South Africa, all towards solving the socioeconomic challenges that we have. I mean, South Africa has been sitting with the highest Gini coefficient for a couple of years now. And that in itself should be concerning for everybody because what that means is the distance between the rich and the poor is so much greater. I mean, 10 years ago, I think we were number five or so in the world. And now we are first, we're number one in the world. That is very concerning and we cannot ignore that. And I hope the events of the last couple of weeks are a wake up call for all of us to say, listen, we cannot ignore this any longer. What is causing this, this rift between the rich and the poor? And how do we build a collective um, economy, a collective society that sees people benefiting along this long value chain, a very complex one for that matter, but one that we can build the future for our children and our children's children. That's essentially why we do what we do. Yeah. And in fact, what we saw as well was an incredible collaboration between, as you mentioned before, private and, and public. And we're seeing this as well. You know, yes, the, the vaccine rollout might have started off very, very slowly. But what we're seeing now is a magnificent collaboration between private and public. We've seen it with the whole COVID approach. We have. And, and I mean, even from the very beginning, I mean, I was part of um, a group called the League of Entrepreneurs and it's hosted by the BMW Foundation. And we are handpicked from a couple of countries and would come together and talk. And I remember last year, the very beginning of the lockdown, I mean, South Africa, the way we just rallied behind the lockdown, the way everybody just mm. sort of behaved and understood the nature of what was facing us, that for me was indicative of the spirit of South Africa and how we do things and how we just get things done. And it's no doubt the COVID program has turned out to be great. Yes, there were dark moments. We had our moments in the valley. We had uh, moments when the when the infections were so high and the deaths and the deaths are still all around us. It's not to say we're not yeah. losing lives. It's not to say it's not mm. complex, but it's refreshing because we are seeing that. We are seeing private sector, public sector, government, civil society, everybody coming together to say, listen, we have to approach this as a collective group and we have to do what is right for South Africa. And I think that for me is so refreshing um, and something that we should not take for granted. That is the true spirit of South Africa. And we're doing well in the Olympics, right, as well. Absolutely, so, nothing wrong with that. A few good no. things going for us. It's not all doom and gloom. No, it certainly isn't. And in fact, a friend of mine from New York, uh, I spoke to him after uh, we had been through these, uh, you know, what was going on in specifically KwaZulu-Natal. And he said to me, and I can tell you the difference in 
he's an American, he's not South African, and he's saying, says the difference between what we're seeing there or what I'm telling him about here versus there is here, the minute it was over, everybody was getting involved in trying to, to sort things out, whether people were sending food and, and, and pharmaceuticals, other people were going to, to, to areas that had been hard hit and helping to clean it up. And even if it was just symbolic, uh, it, it, it was really, it, the, the, the message was very, very clear that South Africans are in this together. And it's not about one race group. It's not about one religion. It's not about anything like that. It's about being South African, which I think puts us very, very much ahead of the game if we have to compare, because that's the hardest thing, I think, to, to, to deal with. And that's the one thing that, one challenge we actually don't have. I mean, yes, there are those that will try and profit by politicizing or, or turning, turning thing, things into, into that. And, and, and of course, it's there. You know, we know that. We can't ignore, we can't ignore a past. But, but at the same time, the intention and the, the, I think the goodwill of South Africans is what sets us apart from anywhere in the world, really. And it, you're so right. It really, really does. And I think it baffles people because of how um, intricately complex um, the South African community as a country is, right? The types of people we have, the areas we have, um, and the, the sort of the, the legacy of apartheid that we live through every single day. Um, you could look at that and just like you say, prophesy doom and gloom and say it's all finished, there is no hope and there is no opportunity. But again, that is what South Africans do. It almost feels like in psychology, we used to call it a catharsis. We just go through this catharsis and mm. we just like deal and release all these negative emotions and everything that's been annoying us. And once we're done, we're done. We don't go back and eat our vomit. We are like, yeah. okay, it's done and dusted. It's out of the system now. We feel a bit stronger. Now let's rebuild. Now let's hold hands. Now let's identify each other in this mess. Let's identify each other in this confusion and let's build um, for tomorrow. And, and I think, I mean, that is, that is so unique because a lot of countries don't recover from this kind of thing. I mean, we spoke about the, the vaccination program before. If you remember some of the things that was happening in the US where some people literally groups, large groups of people say, we don't want to be vaccinated. We don't want to do it. And we don't believe in it. We don't even believe there's COVID. And that set them back a lot. And the implications of that we saw through the infections were significant. Um, in South Africa, we do have anti-vaxxers and they are allowed to stand their ground and be that. And that's the beauty of it. You can be an anti-vaxxer, but you you can also be, say, listen, I want to be vaccinated because I truly believe in it. And like you're saying, we are allowed to take the content and the data points that are around us and are given the opportunity to make choices about our own personal lives. Therefore, we can collectively, we can make choices that benefit our community and our society. Tell me how within your position at Nedbank, you see this type of resilience, positivity and approach. So the beauty about um, NetBank, and I've been around um, a couple of times, but essentially what I really, really love about the NetBank story is the desire to try, even in difficult scenarios and circumstances. 
um, the the strong community feel as well. Um, we 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 all part of the corporates that went to KZN and made sure we donated food parcels and made sure we even visited our employees and staff to make sure that they're well. But even that being said, I mean, if I just reflect back on the content of the conversations over the last couple of weeks in terms of innovations and things that we must bring to market quickly to address um, some of the questions that face the country now is really what's great and awesome. I mean, in our last podcast, we did talk about tap on phone and more and more as these things happen around us, you get to realize how critical and important some of these technologies actually are, right? We need to be able to put technology into the hands of people so that when they are faced with situations such as these where they don't have access to cash, where they don't have access to digital payments, where they don't have access to retail, where they would normally right, perform their economic activities. These are the technologies that we put in the palms of people's hands that enable them and most importantly, empower them to be able to continue trading, but also ensure that their economies stay relevant and continue to thrive even in the midst of difficult situations and circumstances. So, so uh, the, the tap on phone, obviously, being one example of it. Uh, the are you are you seeing uh, different types of technologies and different types of businesses being able to uh, adapt and thrive at times like this? We are, and again, it speaks to that spirit of resilience where people are just saying instead of just moping around and and waiting for something to happen, we're actually going to get up and do it. And as NetBank, we are partnering with those small, micro, medium-sized and large corporates. We are partnering with them hand-to-hand and we're saying, let's do it together. We are here. We've got different technologies. Like you say, it's not just tap on phone, it's money messages, all the APIs we have. We're saying, we have got a solution to help you continue trading. We have got those digital capabilities that you can adopt into your businesses quickly, easily, and most importantly, they're cost-effective and safe. And you find that the confidence of entrepreneurs who are important and critical in the economy is bolstered and boosted because they realize that they've got a large institution such as NetBank backing them. So Chippa, what excites you most in your current role? Geez, that's the question I've been waiting for. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't disappoint. So, so my role affords me the opportunity to make our lives better. And that sounds really broad and maybe corny, but give me a minute. So essentially, I'm able to um, investigate trends. I'm able to play around and pilot certain technologies. I am able to look outside to the global world and also check other technologies and what they're doing and curate what we bring in as a business and what we hand over to our consumers and clients. Now, that I think is, I have the best job in the world. Let me just tell you, I have the best job in the world Um, because essentially it allows you to have these bird's eye view of what's happening around you, but it allows you to humanize technology and bring it back home. Um, And for me, my 
North Star is really around that. How do we develop our economy and how do we make our lives better? Because essentially that is what technology is supposed to do. We digitize for human beings, not for robots, right? And technology is supposed to make our lives better. It's not just the pretty and cute stuff. It's really supposed to make our lives better. And I'm, I'm in this really brilliant space where I'm able to bring that to life on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely love it. And I'm actually going to leave it there because we couldn't end on a better note because I, f- I feel like what you're saying about yourself and your position and NetBank is really what we're saying about the country as well, about resilience, about excitement for the future. Chopo Mushwana, thank you for taking the time to speak to us. I'm always inspired by these conversations and uh, I look forward to chatting to you again. I'm Howard Feldman. This has been a Synthesis Podcast.